Happy New Year and welcome to a new episode of Let's Shape the Future. If you're new here, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review if you've got time to do so. We've got some great guests coming up, including today's episode. So without further ado, enjoy the show. So on Let's Shape the Future, we've had Chief Operating Officers, Chief Marketing Officers, Chief Design Officers and more. But what's the role of a Chief Revenue Officer? I'm thrilled to be joined by Stephen D'Angelo, CRO, Go-To-Market Advisor and best-selling author to chat about all things revenue and positive mindset. So Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me today. It's my pleasure, Ben. Thank you for having me. Very much appreciate being part of your show. Thanks. And so with all my guests, I love to sort of get a recap of their career up till now. So take us back to where it all began um, and sort of how your positions have evolved over time. Yeah, for sure. So um, my background has been in the technology business primarily. um, And it all started when I came out of university. When I graduated college, I had a desire to be in the technology business And this is, I have to admit, is like 30 years ago. So uh, maybe for some of your audience, I'm a little older, but maybe for for some, not not so much. But 30 years ago, the technology business was really in its infancy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was very interested in being the sales profession. So um, I entered a sales program actually with Automatic Data Processing, ADP, a great, great company. It's still a fantastic company. They put you through a very rigorous training program. I advanced uh, in in my career there over a couple of years, then had leadership roles, uh, director roles, regional VP role. And then from there, uh, after I was with ADP for about seven years, that's when my my career really started to elevate because I got connected to the venture capital community. Mm -hmm. So the venture capital community, we all know how they work. They they raise funds and they put money into early stage companies. And um, they then look for people like me with a domain expertise that they would put into some of their companies to help start the company or get the company to be successful. My very, very first startup was a company out of Stockholm, Sweden, that was funded by Warburg Pincus. And and Warburg's more of a private equity than a venture firm, but they made a rather large investment in this company. And I helped start North American Operations. And it was just five of us that started it. And over the next couple of years, we grew the organization to over 800 people. We took it public and it was hugely successful. We had a great partnership with Oracle. So in all all facets, it was hugely successful. So that was kind of my first step into the uh, the early stage kind of company. And I was fortunate my my first go around, hugely successful. And then from there, my network with the venture capital community grew. So I work with uh, VC firms like uh, Warburg Pincus, as I mentioned, Insight Venture Partners, Shasta, Sequoia, NEA, Insight Ventures. Um, and, you know, like I said, they invest in companies and then they look for people like me to put in either as CRO or president uh, or CEO or sometimes just in advisory roles. They mm-hmm. they have an executive team or a leadership team that can use my experience. And I go in and I help them and, and do lots of scale up kinds of things. So all in all, I did two IPOs over the years, which were great. And I had three other exits where I helped sell three other companies. Uh, and they all, all were successful exits. So I've been very, very fortunate. I work with some great people and I've been given great opportunities. So I've been very fortunate. An exciting career then. Um, so for those that aren't aware, both myself and Stephen are, are lucky enough to work for an organization called Beamery, who's the leading talent lifecycle management platform. So for those that aren't aware, did you want to provide a bit of background as to who Beamery are, um, the problem that they solve, and also what your role in the business entails? Certainly, certainly. Let's start with Beamery. Beamery is an exciting company that is solving 
a significant problem. And when you think about a company that, uh, that, that needs to grow and be successful, there's a couple of key assets that every company has, right? They have their customers, they have their capital, and they have their employees. And the process of recruiting employees more successfully, using technology to be able to match, if you will, employee needs to what's out there in the market and use artificial intelligence in order to identify people that are on, on the open market, whether it be at job sites or other sites, and be able to identify their skills and identify where they would fit well within the company so you could recruit them successfully, a very valuable uh, technology and solves an important problem of recruiting. But then once you have the employee inside the company, now it's about development. It's mm -hmm. about mobility. If I join a company, I don't want to just stay in one role. I want to know that I'm going to be able to advance. And the Beamery technology helps match, again, skills to neighboring skills that may be needed in additional roles and identifies people uh, as to they would be good candidates for these particular roles. So some of the, the name brands that uh, utilize Beamery are companies like General Motors, uh, Peloton, Wells Fargo. Lots of great companies that have very large organizations, uh, Google, Amazon, that very large organizations do lots of recruiting. They use the Beamery technology to solve that problem, to identify the right candidates, bring them into the company, and then mobilize them within the company so everyone is, 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 is happy. Employees are happy, companies are happy, and companies succeed. So it's, it's a great company, Beamery is. Um, they recently raised $134 million dollars. They're in scale-up mode, great, talented people. Um, I'm happy to be part of it. Good. And so you've been brought in to be a chief revenue officer. So I'm assuming that, um, for those that aren't aware, it's sort of heading up the sales organization within Beamery, right? Yes. So chief revenue officer typically is responsible for all things revenue. Mm -hmm. And when you think about revenue streams that come into a company, it's certainly the new logos, having a sales organization that's talented, that could go out and support clients and understand client needs and show how our technology can help them solve the problems we just spoke about. So it's a new logo acquisition. Mm -hmm. Then it's the renewal process, you know, because we're in a SaaS business and companies sign one, two, three year uh, deals with us. Then there's a renewal process. So that's another revenue stream. And then there's a services side. When we when we provide our solution to new clients, there's implementation and there's services. And then there's ongoing services. So there's revenue streams there. So it's managing all those revenue streams. It's building a high performance go-to-market organization, sales, partnerships, marketing, um, you know, professional services, all of those activities, customer success, and build high performance teams so that we can achieve the objectives. Uh, people can feel empowered. People can feel successful. And it's all about building this high performing, scalable kind of team that helps the company meet its growth objectives. Mm. And I think um, especially within an organization like Beamery and the other scale ups you've been, when you raise so much money, obviously you then have dependent on like the investors are then depending on the organization to start making that revenue, right? So that means that your role is just hugely important in the organization. Yeah. You know, I always remind people um, it's the life you chose, right? I mean, when you, when you take the role of, of managing revenue and owning the revenue of the business and you raise a lot of money, sure. I mean, there's that word pressure, but, you know, there's a responsibility that you have to execute to the best of your ability and, and hopefully doing it the best of your ability and having a great team around you, you can achieve great things. And right now I, I would say that Beamery is 
on that road track to uh to achieve the success it, it deserves and it desires yeah, no i'd echo that and um so so that's the professional side of of steven d'angelo and and now i have a little section that i like to call what has shaped the guest so we're talking about what's shaping the future but i'd we'd love to sort of get a, a peek behind the curtain and sort of get to know the person behind the job title so i've got a couple of quick fire questions with you if that's all right yeah of course so the first one is uh, what's your favorite activity outside of work Working out, exercise, whether it's lifting, whether it's running, um, whether it's maybe doing yoga. Yeah, I like to work out. I like to play golf as well. It's a different activity, nice. but yeah, it, it's being outside and working out. Nice. I, I didn't have you down as a yoga guy, but you, oh, yeah. you learned something oh, new. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and secondly, so right, imagine it's the end of a long week. You sit down, relax on the sofa um, with a drink, and you're watching TV. What drink have you got in your hand, and what TV show are you watching? The drink I have in my hand is is a tequila for sure. Nice. Uh, one one of my favorites is uh, Clase Azul Reposado. Uh, so maybe one large cube, sip that nice and slowly. And I'm probably watching something on Netflix or Disney. You know, some kind of a mini series. I'm more of a movie mini series person than I in a sports. I love watching sports mm. uh, than I am more of your typical network TV. Nice, nice. And then finally, what or who is your biggest inspiration in life? Wow. Uh, my biggest inspiration in life. Um, you know, what's interesting. It's hard for me to say an individual, one individual. I've been very, very fortunate that so many business leaders, friendships, Mm -hmm. um, my wife, marriage, um, you know, some professional athletes that I associate with, they all have an impact on your life and they all touch you in a special way. So I, I, as you ask that question, I don't have anything that really bang hits me, but now, as I'm saying it, it probably was my upbringing. I, I guess if I would look at anything, um, my mom and dad were, were fantastic and by no means, you know, were we wealthy at all? You know, we are a very middle-class family. Uh, my mom and dad didn't graduate college, you know, so they had, they had business jobs, uh, accounting kind of jobs, but they weren't, you know, university graduates. So they just had to work hard. And I learned about work ethic. I worked about, I learned about family bonding. That probably uh, is probably the most impactful thing. Mm. I love it. Love it. Yeah. So um, obviously then a, a lot of your career has been within scale up organizations, as you mentioned, and, and you've had huge success with them going public or being acquired. What appeals to you so much about scale up organizations and, and what were your key learnings along those journeys? Yeah. So um, the thing that, that excites me the most is like building a winning team, a winning organization that's starting, you know, basically with an idea of a technology, and maybe you're getting some early clients. Mm -hmm. And how do we now shape this so you can indeed scale it and you get to volume and you then are really having an impact on the world, right? Because you are impacting companies, they're operating more successfully, and then watching the employees, the people on your team prosper financially, uh, prosper in their career, they're growing, they're learning new skills, they're learning how to be more successful. And you could see them grow as individuals and you could see their satisfaction, right? They're, they're feeling the achievement. And when that energy happens, 
it really, really is exciting because people are, like I said, they're advancing their career. They're financially improving. They're happy with what they're doing. They feel they have a meaningful role within the corporation, that whole process. Now, that being said, there's lots of chaos with early stage companies, <laughs> right? There's lots of ups and downs and sideways and changes of vision, changes of direction, because you're, you're trying to find where do you fit the most in the go-to-market world so that you can scale. So there's lots of challenges with it. It's certainly not for the the faint of heart, as they say, right? You've got to have, uh, you have to have a lot of courage and some thick skin to be in the, in the scale up startup world. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, I'd echo that because uh, I came from, to be from SAP, right? So you've right. gone from a, an organization of a hundred thousand plus employees where you're a really small cog in a big wheel to being a much larger cog in a much smaller wheel. And so what you said about the amount of responsibility and um, sort of voice you have in the business, like I love it. I, I, I thrive in that environment. But as you say, sometimes the, the larger organization is suited to one personality, but the, right. um, the smaller one is for a difference. I know that's really interesting. Um, yeah, and you have to applaud SAP, right? Huge absolutely. global company, but they started, right? Of course, at some point way back when as a small early stage company, and they were able to navigate the scale up phase, the growth phase, lead differently, manage differently, new products, and and, and now look at them. So certainly a, a great successful company. Beamery will be there eventually. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so so now moving on to, um, to your book. So uh, your book is titled A Single Day of Peace, an inspirational novel revealing 50 principles that can transform your life. Um, I'm going to sort of roll out the red carpet a bit here and, and give you a chance to tell the audience um, a bit about what, what the book is about. And so um, how would you sum it up? Yes. Um, so it's an inspirational novel. So um, first let me explain why I wrote it. Mm. And then I'll take you through kind of the book and the story behind it and what it, my goal of it is and what I, what I wanted to accomplish. So the reason I wrote it is um, I'm a big reader. I'm a big reader of self-help books. Um, and through my career, which I've explained earlier on in, in our conversation here, I've been uh, connected to many, many people, uh, people of all walks of life, uh, very successful business people, very successful people in other in other uh, careers, whether it's a teacher or a trade, some very successful people. And I observed that people that are very, very successful and happy do things differently that, than people who are very successful and unhappy. And I'm talking about billionaires. I'm talking about professional athletes that I had the pleasure of knowing and work alongside. There is a, a distinct difference. Now, people say to me, well, how can you be really successful financially? You probably have a lot of assets and how can you not be happy? And I will tell you that there are many that unfortunately that have mm. achieved a level of success, but don't have deep self-satisfaction. They're not happy with their lives and, and you can see it and how they behave toward others around them. So I began to document what do the successful, happy people do differently? And it was kind of a hobby of just keeping it all and writing it all down and studying it and making sure that I lean more towards the, the happy and successful way versus what the other people did. And then it dawned on me that, you know, I, I should write a book. I should find a way to kind of put this into a book to help other people be more successful and be, and be more happy. And I had this idea of writing this book. And one of the things that I see in people that are successful and happy, they have a level of spirituality in them. Now, I'm not talking about religion right? Mm -hmm. I'm talking about a level of internal spirituality. They have a belief in God or a higher power, and they rely on that 
to keep themselves grounded when they're doing well. They rely on that to keep themselves positive when things aren't going well. They rely on that a lot. And so I, I too find myself to be quite spiritual. So I had this idea of, could I write a book that interacted spirituality with being successful? And I was raised Catholic and I call myself a rebel Catholic because while I love the Catholic church, I'm not quite sure I like all the rules and regulations and the guilt that's part of the Catholic church. So I had this crazy idea that the Catholic church really could be a better institution if it was more spiritual, if it had a leader that taught more spiritual kinds of things to be successful, teach kids how to be successful, teach people how to be more happy. So I had this idea, what if a great business leader uh, converted from being a business leader and hugely successful and became a Catholic priest to help transform the Catholic church? And that's kind of what I did. I created this, this fictitious story about a great uh, executive in the technology business who comes to a crossroads in his life and a negative event happens in his life. And he has a big decision to make. What's he going to do with his life now? And before going into the business world, he did consider becoming a Catholic priest because he was quite religious and spiritual as a young man. So he decides, you know what? I'm at this crossroads. I'm going to take my leadership skills and become a Catholic priest to transform the church. And that's what he does. And he brings great inspiration to the church. He gets millions of followers. He gets on network television, media follows him. But the Catholic church uh, kind of rejects him because he's very forward thinking. And he makes a very bold prediction as to what could happen to Jesus Christ if he comes back. The church rejects him. And this character then decides to go off on a retreat, another crossroads in his life. And he documents the 50 principles that if people follow these principles, they'll be live a more happy and successful life. So I wanted to create a story, an entertaining story, uh, a compelling story, maybe a little controversial kind of story in order to keep people's attention and deliver the message of success and how to be happy and successful throughout the whole book. And then, of course, it culminates with the 50 principles. So that's the lowdown low down on the book. And I have to say, I've gotten great, great feedback mm -hmm. from people of all religions. I've had people that are Buddhists, the Jewish community, of course, Catholics, Protestants, Lutherans. I've had many come to me and write to me or people that I know say, hey, you really hit the points well. So I felt good that even though I used the Catholic church kind of as the theme, it's really not about just mm -hmm. the Catholic church. Yeah. So that's, that's it. No, it's a really interesting concept, and um, I look, and it's it's a five star review on Amazon, and like the I was reading for the reviews, and I was like, oh, this is amazing, and I'm waiting for my copy to be delivered, so I, I can't wait to to dig into it. And it's interesting what you were saying, right? Because I've always and and I saw it at my previous organization, and I've seen it in businesses. I've always thought there's a happy medium between the amount of money someone has and the sort of time and happiness that they have to spend that money and to sort of benefit their life. Do you think it's possible for someone to get to the, 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 the top of the top and still have the sort of happy the mindset and the positivity and the, the time to sort of spend the rewards that come with it and sort of um, take advantage of that moment? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Many, many do. There are so many very successful people that have achieved wealth that gives so much back. We don't hear a lot about it, it, them. They do it humbly. Some, of course, we hear about them, but they do it humbly and they do the best they can to keep balance in their lives. Now, let's be honest. When you are building a great business and you're becoming more and more successful and yes, more and more wealthy, 
um, time, your, your 24 hours go by very, very quickly, right? You got to find some time for family, right? Some time to stay healthy, but you're running this business and it's really, really hard to do. Um, they do it well and they realize deep down they have to give back. And I will tell you the happy, successful people that are truly happy inside, they're the ones that are giving back. They're the ones that they know they were put here maybe for some bigger reason than just, you know, how many cars can I have? How many houses can I have? How many trips can I go on? And, and, I, wanna, and I also want to say success isn't just about financial success. Absolutely. Right? Um, success is, as I always say, it's anyone that's pursuing a worthwhile goal. If you are pursuing a worthwhile goal, I know people that have started school for children with autism that I've been involved in. They're hugely successful people. Financial gain is not of interest to them. They want to help children with autism. You look at school teachers, right? School teachers, what more important role in life is there than to teach the youth, right? And, and help them grow. Uh, you know, they're, they're not paid in an exorbitant amount of money, but they're very successful when, when they do it well. So there's all walks of life. If you're pursuing a worthwhile goal, that is success. We tend to think about money and assets when we think about success. No, absolutely. And and, and it reminds me of, of two things. So there's a previous um, previous guests on on Let's Shape the Future, uh, Brad and Brian, they're they're called the two blind brothers, and they both um, have a um, a disease called Stargard's disease. Um, so they're registered blind, um, but they started an organisation where they sell clothing and accessories. Um, based on how they feel because obviously they can't necessarily see the clothes that they're wearing and um, they sell them online they were on the ellen show and that sort of stuff and all profits go towards funding clinical research for eye disease and i, I look at those sorts of people and, and even like for example like this this jumper i'm wearing right now yeah is um there was a, a gentleman with cerebral palsy and he was raising money for his treatment and for um the, uh, somewhere for him to live so he can sort of get back to walking hopefully in a safe neighborhood and so he had a dream to become a fashion designer so there was a guy that enabled him to do that and he now sells clothing to raise money for it and i'm like they're the sorts of stories where i'm like that's to right. me that that is success that is positivity they're the, and that's why i buy this sort of stuff right like i would much rather spend money on this type of clothing than clothing this that just puts money in someone's pocket, right? There's right. Um, it, it, those sorts of things really speak to me. And I think it comes back to the sort of life's too short. So whilst you're here, you've got to make a positive impact, right? And That's and right. that sort of prompts a question in um, how strong do you think the power of a positive mindset is in an individual? And, and would you agree that projecting that positive mindset onto other people is as important as having it yourself? Yes. So in my, in my mind, it's numero uno, it's number one. Um, the mindset that we all take throughout our lives and the mindset that we actually have to create, um, it makes all the difference in the world. We become the thoughts we think. We become the goals we set. We become the attitude we project. We are the thoughts we think. And um, I cover this a lot in my book, A Single Day of Peace. You'll, you'll, there's a theme of that really throughout the book, because there's nothing that's impacted my life personally more than learning about controlling your thoughts. I learned that early in my career. I became a believer in it, that life is a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
if you're down and you're negative and things always go wrong for you, that's because it's being programmed and you're attracting that from the universe. And if you're lucky more often and you find the parking spot, your career is growing, you're getting that from the universe based on that, which you, you put out to the universe. So there's absolutely no question. Those people that have a positive mindset, and, and this is a learned ability. You can mm. learn how to shift from a normal or maybe even negative mindset to more of an optimistic mindset with positive expectation. And um, the people that focus on that and program themselves by repeating very positive statements about themselves to achieve the goals that they want. Maybe they want to lose weight or gain weight, or they want to achieve a certain, uh, they want a new car or want to achieve something from an income perspective, or they want to start a school, whatever it is that they set their mind on and can and communicate to themselves that I'm going to achieve this, that energy now allows them to be more successful. And then all of a sudden, they're, they don't know it, but they're projecting that positive energy to others and they bring like-minded people to them. And, and the negative people do the same thing. You know, very often negative people call themselves realists, right? They say, well, I'm just being realistic. No, you're being negative, right? You're, you're programming things the wrong way. You're not being realistic. Now, granted, there's always a level of realism that we must have in our optimistic views, but hey, let's see the glass half full more often than we see a half empty. And let's look at the good in things. Um, it's not always easy. We all face very tough times in our lives, right? There's certain shit, excuse my French, is going to go wrong for yeah, all absolutely. of us. And, and, and we have to be able to have the right mindset for that. I believe that nothing is more critical than that in order to have a, a happy, successful life. Mm. No, I, I, I echo that completely. And, and it's, the, the, the point about the stuff that goes on in your life. So for example, um, I unfortunately lost my, my best friend this year um, to, to cancer. And um, obviously that was, it was an awful time, absolutely awful and still is. Um, but what I've come to to do now is sort of as hard as it is, try and take the positive side. So just learn right. that life's too short, learn that have a positive impact on people rather than a negative, yes. like, um, cause you never know when things are going to go badly or things are going to end. So let's just do the best we can while we're here. Right. So it's, it's taking those, the, the bad things that can happen and trying to just scrape every bit of positivity out them. And then, as you say, um, thing, things will, will, will get better and you'll start yes. to see success and, and they're all linked. They're all linked. So it's interesting. We mentioned my book, a single day of peace, a core part of the story, which you'll get to when you read it, is this negative event that happens in this character's life, right? And how is he now, who was once hugely successful, still financially successful, but now is in a miserable state because something went very, very wrong. How does he transform himself in order to be still a, have a positive impact on the world? And the reason why I wanted the story to have such a, a negative thing happen is because we all have challenging times. You just lost a friend, mm -hmm. right? And when you read about others that had challenging times, but they rose above it, they did certain things to make it more productive. Um, you, you have more faith that you can get through it. And let's be honest, some, some difficult times are very difficult. You could mm -hmm. lose a child, you could lose a spouse, you've lost a friend. I'm not saying it's easy, right? We, we all have some very tough things that we have to try to get through, but with the right mindset that uh, you can certainly get there. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And and to sort of transition that mindset into the, the sort of role that you do on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So a CRO leads a sales organization within a business. And I would say that I 
I've never thought of myself as being a salesperson because I don't feel like I fit the the sort of stereotype of what a salesperson right. is. And and I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily possess the selfishness that I think a salesperson is we've been taught requires to be successful. Do you think people can succeed in sales without having that sort of Wolf of Wall Street type mentality um, in, in the world nowadays? Yeah. Okay. So, so great, great question. So when we think of Wolf of Wall Street uh, and we think of that character and we think of the stereotypical uh, idea of a salesperson, that type of individual usually doesn't have longevity. That type of individual will have some success, but there's something inside of that individual, that character that I believe all salespeople need to have. It, it is resiliency. It is a deep belief in oneself, right? Because the world of selling, uh, you're dealing with a lot of rejection. You're dealing with a lot of tr trying times. It's often why, you know, athletes, uh, whether they became professional or not, I've hired lots of division one college athletes and they do extremely well because they know they're going to get knocked down. They've got knocked down their whole life playing a sport, but they have to get back up. So that resiliency is really important. So I'd say that's one of the things that in that Wolf of Wall Street character that yes, you want, you want, um, a salesperson to have the boldness. You have to be bold. You have to um, be willing to to kind of put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. You know, you're, you're bringing a new idea to an executive. You have to have the self confidence and the boldness to to go forward and move that forward. I would say that you know this the idea of work ethic uh, is extremely important. But then there's something that 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 most people don't realize that the great great sales professionals do. That is, they constantly invest in themselves, reading books, training programs. What's the latest way that I can, I can you know, promote my solution? What, what are the latest ways of selling? There's always new methodologies coming out. And I often say great salespeople are much like doctors. Doctors don't get their degree and then they stop studying and they stop getting you know, advanced education. There's a requirement for them. There's a requirement for us. If we want to be successful salespeople or even just successful business people, Let's make sure that we're constantly improving ourselves. That self-improvement is, is, is critical. You saw it in our meeting, right? And, and we had our meeting in Florida last week where we did our QBR. And one of the things I'm known for, the companies that I've worked with, is when we do the QBRs, every person's got to present, what are you working on this quarter for yourself? What are you trying to improve? Maybe you want to be a better cook. Maybe you want to be a better parent. Maybe you want to be a better negotiator. What books are you reading? I make sure that people are doing that. So if you're developing yourself, you're getting better and better. So those are some of the things that are really, really important. And I, and I would say I often tell salespeople, yes, we sell for a living. We have to close business. We have to bring in revenue. But think of yourself more as a business person. Mm -hmm. When you go sit down with an executive and you want to talk about the vision of our solution and how the solution can help them, no one wants to be sold. Talk to them like a business person. Let's talk about what value we can bring them, business person to business person. And if you project that, they're going to treat you that way. Absolutely. I think... Um especially in such a ever-changing world like we're now moving into the world of web3 with cryptocurrencies and nfts right the the sales processes of 20 years ago are nowhere near what it needs to be to be successful nowadays right so right. um to echo your point that constant evolution and and not being afraid to accept that you need to constantly keep learning is something that will only see people succeed right exactly right exactly right so even in, um, say, my fairly short career, I've seen huge benefits in having mentors. 
how important do you think mentoring is to, to any level of age or talent? And also, I'd be keen to get your thoughts on reverse mentoring in such an ever-changing world in the light, as I say, in Web3 and others, where typically a younger generation is quicker to sort of um, absorb that and, and get on board with this stuff um, than maybe someone of uh, more experience. Yeah. Um, so mentoring goes both ways and there's value both ways. Um, without question for me in my career, I've had many great mentors. Um, and then, and, you know, they kind of, they get you from point A to point B a lot faster because they've made mistakes. And if you're willing to learn and listen to them, you'll avoid the mistakes that they've made. So you get there faster. Uh, getting mentorship. I, I, I cover this in my book as well, that never be afraid to ask someone for guidance. I often tell young professionals like yourself, is there anybody that you admire and you would love to meet? And if that's the case in today's social world, social network, connect with them on LinkedIn, send them a note, ask them for, for go buy them breakfast, buy them dinner. You want to learn from them. You'd be surprised how many people are willing to do that for people. So it, asking for it is the first piece and then giving it is the other side of the coin. Uh, having mentored many people, it's very, very fulfilling. You know, it's fulfilling to be able to help people and guide them to give them a little bit of a shortcut to success, whatever success is to them, but giving them a little bit of a shortcut by giving them advice and guidance. And it's very, very fulfilling. That's, again, part of the spirituality of life, right? I'm giving back and I'm helping someone be more successful. Absolutely. And, and to, to sort of echo your point, it's kind of a re it's one of the reasons why I started this podcast, right? It, it gives me the ability to to reach out to to individuals and speak to individuals that I'd have never been able to have a conversation before. And we may be talking about themselves or the work that they're in, but that it's a kind of mentoring at the same space. And now I've got a repository of senior contacts who I'm able to connect with and catch up with. And, and you never know who you may need in the future, but also who may need you, right? So just having that, right. that that network is just um, something that you massively need to invest in. I applaud you for your creativity, your ingenuity, and your courage to do this. You are building a network as a, as a young professional. You're building a network, you know, worth its weight in gold, so to speak. Fantastic. You're, you're, you're doing it the right way. Thanks, Stephen. I appreciate that. And, and as we come to the conclusion of the episode, we, we have guests I love to get one piece of advice for anyone that's listening. So that could be to C-levels, to management, to early talent, or anyone in between. What would be like your key piece of learning that you'd love to pass on? I'll use the word empathy. I think empathy is an important thing. I mean, you know, there, there's all kinds of attributes to be a successful leader. There's all kinds of principles to be successful. I published 50 of them. But I think one of the things I would say that we all benefit from is empathy. It is, let's try to understand where the other person's coming from. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in our world today, there's, there's lots of division right here in the United States, strong political division, racial division, right? There's all kinds of division. And I think there's lots of division because we're not willing to see the other person's point of view. Uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer said it great. He's influenced me. His writings influenced me over the years. He's recently passed away, but he had a statement. He said, rather than bite off the end of my finger, take a look at where it's pointing, right? And his point is, don't just attack me and turn off what I'm saying. Just do it just for a moment. Take a look. And, and that's having empathy. Very often, you know, we gossip. Very often, often we judge. Uh, and I think that it, that's somewhat of a natural human thing to do that. 
Um, psychologists will tell you you're, you're doing it for some inner insecurity reasons. You, you feel better when you judge others. Um, that aside, I think if we, if we really just try to understand another person's point of view, for example, just in, in, in the business world, uh, as I work closely with Abacar, our co-founder and CEO, and he has a viewpoint as to what needs to be done, and I may have a different viewpoint, we will get to a very positive place if we listen to each other's points in their case, and we digest each other's points, let's find the right place to be. And that's where two minds come together. That's the, the power of five. So I think it's a big part uh, of being successful and happy. Let's just empathize with one another a little bit more. Love it. And it's refreshing to hear that coming from a senior sales leader as well. As I say, that sometimes sales has a bad rep for, for sales leadership, but it's really refreshing to hear a leader talk about empathy, talk about positive mindset and that sort of stuff. Is um, I, I think that will be something that maybe people wouldn't expect from this episode. So I'm, I'm really excited for, for people to hear. Um, and maybe able to contribute it. Yeah. Thanks. And um, then just to finish off, if anyone wants to find out some more information about yourself, about Beamery, or wants to purchase your book, where's the best place for them to do so? Sure. A couple of things. So to reach out for me, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, feel free to connect with me. Feel free to send me a message uh, as it pertains to Beamery. Um, by all means, go to our website, learn about the company. Um, through LinkedIn, you can connect to me or my email at Beamery is stephen.deangelo at beamery.com. Uh, you can reach me there as it pertains to my book. I have a website, a single day of peace.com. You could learn more about the book there. Or you can go straight away to Amazon and just search uh, a single day of peace and you'll see the reviews there. You can purchase the book there. And I'd, I'd be very appreciative if you, if you purchase it. And if you do, send me, send me messages, send me an email. I'd love to hear what everybody thinks about it. Uh, good and not so good. If you're, criti- if you're critical of it, I'd like to hear that too. But that's the way you could get in touch with me. That's the way you could get to the book. And, and of course, uh, if Beamery is interesting to you, please check us out on our website uh, and then reach out for me. Amazing. And um, I'll leave the the link to the, the website and the Amazon page in the description of the episode. Um, but yeah, Stephen, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure hosting you on, on Let's Shape the Future. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with me. It's been really interesting to hear about your experiences, your, your book and and how a positive mindset can produce so much success in someone's life. So, so thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Ben. Thank you. And congratulations again on a great show. Thank you. So that's the end of another episode of Let's Shape the Future. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation between me and Steve. If you did, then please leave a review and make sure to share the podcast with anyone you think would also enjoy. Next week, we're joined by Stefan Panikva, VP of Brand Experience at BMW, talking all things marketing, esports, gaming chairs and more. It may not make sense now, but it sure will next week. Have a great day, guys.